What's up, guys? Here with you in FC Wonder Kid, episode 133. Here with my guy, Bradson. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I am doing uh, pretty dang well, considering uh, Thanksgiving was this past week, Alex. And um, I, I think we're going to talk about, you know, UCL. We're going to talk about the U-17 World Cup. We're going to talk about the Premier League. But there, if there's one thing off the top of my head that I am thankful for, it is that Alejandro Garnacho <laughs> Golasso. Um, I, I, I honestly, that had Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo written all over it. And there was nothing sexier uh, to start or to uh, end, I should say, a Thanksgiving weekend here in the States. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. How, how good was that goal? Alejandro Garnacho has officially entered the Pushkas category with that goal. One yeah. of the most mm. beautiful overhead kicks I've seen in my life. Inspired by Cristiano Ronaldo and you said Wayne Rooney that scored against Man City. That that was a bold occasion. But Alejandro Garnacho is just a wonder kid. And Man United needed someone inspiring in attack. And he did yeah. just that. But Man United, this mm. is... We're, in a, we're, we're starting with Man United. We're going to talk more, more ahead in this podcast. But you said it. UCL Predictions... Under-17 Wonder Kids we're going to be mentioning in this podcast. And obviously, Francesco Camarda is going to be involved, oh a bit involved in this mm. podcast too. But yes, Premier League top four. We have a new team in the top of the league right now. It's yes, Arsenal with Arteta. Arteta, that with Arsenal, has 200 games two, and he has 116 wins. Arsene Wenger, to give a comparison to people, he had 111 wins. So Arteta is number one ever in wins in his first mm -hmm. 200 games for Arsenal, rebuilding a team that was struggling to even be fighting for top four. So Arsenal yeah. rebuild is happening, people. <laughs> and I think the most important thing to take away from that game was they were not very good. True. And they still won. And that and that's exactly what you needed. Again, and I feel like it's deja vu uh, saying it at this exact time last year. Um, they were winning games that they really, you know, uh, weren't playing well um, when it comes down to it. And we're in that period. We're in that stage all over again. And once again, <laughs> they're starting to get goals from other parts of their team. I cannot believe, Alex, that that was Kai Havertz's First open play goal. Open play goal for Arsenal so far. <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable the first to of think many. that. I know he's the first of yeah. many, right, Breton? I don't know. He looks shocked. He looked absolutely <laughs> shocked. Or relieved. But I, the team you, was you happy tell for me him. what emotion. Look, the thing that I loved about that goal, I know Kai Havers came clutch uninspired. No. Kai Havers, came Clutch, a hero that not a lot of people were expecting. I certainly wasn't, but it's good to see that the team celebrated that goal. The unity yeah. of the group is something I gotta say, phenomenal job by Arteta. The culture mm. is starting to be noticeable in which they are fighting for the Premier League title. For me, man, since you're the contenders and the favorites, but this Arsenal team, mm. with the resources they have, they're doing an amazing job with Miguel Arteta, in my view. And an assist from Saka in that Kai Havertz goal. Yeah. Very inspiring, very inspiring. But I gotta say, yeah. not you said mm -hmm. it very well. Arsenal won that game, but they didn't convince in that game. They didn't deserve 100% mm. to win. I agree with that. 
Arsenal have a problem with their striker and fullbacks. But more on striker. Arsenal need to sign a killer instant striker ahead of goal, okay? They don't have it with Gabriel Jesus. And right now, Arsenal should break the bank for Victor Ozime, in my view. Why? <laughs> Tell me when Arsenal had such a good collective of talent in the last five years with players like Odegaard, Saka, Saliba. That is real talent. Declan Rice even that cost yeah. a lot. But this is a collective of talent that has the opportunity to make history in the Premier League. Bring Victor Ozime yeah. because look at Man City when they brought this striker. They were complete. I honestly believe Arsenal with new fullbacks and Arsenal with a new striker like Victor Ozime, or even a bull suggestion, maybe Santiago Jimenez, they'll be closer <laughs> to winning a Premier League title. Without them, they won't win it. Without this new striker, uh, Arsenal won't win the Premier League, Breton. Uh, and it is a, a massive, massive um, choice that they're going to have to make on who, yeah, to uh, allocate their assets to. Uh, because Victor Ozime will break, break the bank, but I am 100% in agreement with you. It is Premier League or bust in this moment, right? You you want this title. Uh, you don't know how long you're going to have this collection of talent for. Um, and you said it best. I, I think they do need to spend most um, on that. And if they can find, or maybe they find a gem in the academy uh, when it comes down to it, <laughs> no, to no, give no. a little more depth um, at fullback or in the midfield, that ah, would be wonderful. But yes. striker is the biggest issue and you saw it in this particular game with Gabby Jesus and with Enketia just missing I feel like they're sometimes it's as simple as like their their eyes are not scanning the field mm -hmm. right it, it's as simple as that right and um uh, Brentford are a tough team to play against I understand that uh but Arsenal man they they should have they should have put this away I think it, um I and, and it dies it dies at the front it mm -hmm. really does. No, and, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And Edin Ketia is a good Premier League striker. He's just not good to be the main man. Okay, he's not a striker that's going to score 25 Premier League goals like a Darwin, like a Haaland, like Kane that's now at Bayern Munich. They need a Victor Osime. Maybe a Santiago Jimenez could become that. Maybe Rasmus Winterhoyland will become that, even though he's got a bad start at Man United. But they need to find someone else. Even Benjamin Chesko, we've seen a lot of news. So, and again, once again saying, I'm not hating on Edin Ketia, Gabriel Zouch. You need a good collective collection of talent in order to win a Premier League. Okay, you need to have yeah. worthy substitutes. So, go just just saying everything on my end with Arsenal is I think Arsenal beating Brentford uh, solidified the argument of being a top three team in the Premier League. If I'm going to do my Premier yeah. League prediction once again, I put Man City, Arsenal, and Liverpool top three, no doubt in my mind. And Arsenal need to get a striker in order for me or other people to 100% convince them to be a Premier League title winning team. Okay. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not changing my my uh my front here. I think I had Manchester City, I had Liverpool and then uh and then Arsenal and I still am sticking uh to that. Uh so it's going to be <laughs> it really does come down to this it really does come down to this winter transfer window and I, I also agree. think that there is a decision to make. Uh you mentioned that everybody was running over very happy for Kai Havertz, right? Mm -hmm. Well, everyone was running over at the end of the match uh to basically congratulate Aaron Ramsdale on the clean sheet and it it just felt like there was a twinge of goodbye in some respect, right? Uh if there's one decision that needs to be made, uh, for Aaron Ramsdale's 
best interest. It is going to be whether or not to leave Arsenal because it's pretty clear Raya is the number one, but Ramsdale has to, if he wants any part in the Euros, if he wants to play any part in the Euros or uh, somehow usurp uh, the current number one, right, of England in Mm -hmm. Southgate's eyes, uh, he is going to have to likely leave Arsenal. And it really did feel like that, the way that they were all congratulating him because he didn't mm-hmm. have that great of a game. But the way that they were congratulating him made me feel as if Aaron Ramsdale is exiting Arsenal. Clean sheet's a clean sheet, future, though. So. Clean sheet's a clean sheet. Yeah, and clean Arsenal, sheet. by Thanks. beating Brentford, they be, they're, uh, Arsenal, by beating Brentford, they're unbeaten mm-hmm. in 17 of their last games against Premier League London teams. Okay, they're unbeaten. And as it seems, mm-hmm. Arsenal is red. Right now, okay. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> and the Premier League was so excited. So ec- yes. Premier League was so exciting this weekend. We saw Newcastle mm-hmm. dismantling Chelsea. We saw a <laughs> blockbuster game by Tottenham and Aston Villa, and we saw the yep. Titans of Man City and Liverpool drawing. What I gotta say on this is, <laughs> I've yep. got bold opinions, okay. And let us know your Again. bold opinions too in the comments section. But I'm gonna keep it short by saying my first opinion on this is. Jeremy Doku, no doubt in my mind, has the potential to be one of the best dribblers ever in Premier League history. Mm. 11 dribbles Mm. completed against Liverpool, the record in one game this season. And it's going to be Doku and Eden Hazard in the end when the Premier League in the best dribblers talk. And they're both Belgium. Elite. I wanted to say that. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. uh, He's unmarkable. Unmarkable. At times, uh, and and he had he had several runs in that match versus Liverpool. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna say it mm. as good as Jeremy Doku was. Um, if Allison didn't have, uh, I'd say a a middle of the table game, middle of the table match for Liverpool. Liverpool should have gotten more from that. It was his poor distribution that I believe led to Manchester City's goal, uh, which is un un. Kind of weird to say, uh, but if it also weren't for Trent Alexander-Arnold, quick fire shot. I mean, those are the things you like to see from the kid. Um, it, it, Liverpool, I think, is a better is going to grow into this season. I think they're going to get better and better and better as long as this injury bug does not come bite them as hard as it has bit Newcastle, as hard as it has bit Manchester United, as hard as it has bit other clubs uh, in the Premier League right now. But I, I, Liverpool, that game was just a lot of fun. Uh, for the most part, uh, to watch and uh, I, I like how you're saying things. I like how you're saying things, yeah. Brenton, because you're clearly stating that Liverpool is a much better team than they were last season, and that is fucked. Sure. Why is Liverpool yeah. much better than they were last season? Progressive passes, and the the midfield is finally solved with a Dominic Schobosley leading the way. I just want to give a quick stat on that. Liverpool against mm-hmm. Man City again. With, Liverpool against Man City with progressive passes and carries. The top players were Dominic Schobosley with nine. We have Salah with seven. We have Darwin Nunes with six, and we have Trent Alexander-Arnold and Ryan Gravenberch just signed both with five. Okay, so this is a new team that needed Schobosley and needed a Gravenberch. Curtis Jones yeah. doesn't do enough in terms of progressive play, as we see from these stats. It was much yep. needed. And Darwin Nunes, people. Second season, Darwin <laughs> Nunes is a real thing right now, okay? Because yes. for club and country right now, Darwin Nunes has 10 mm. games, 8 goals. And if you see last season stats, he's only two goal involvements from matching his last season stats. Yes. 
and we're in November. Well, and, Fogo. And, and, appar- and apparently he's uh, living rent-free in Pep Guardiola's head. Uh, as well as we saw at the end of that match. Uh, But yeah, I think this Liverpool team with these signings are going to continue, as I mentioned previously, to grow into this. And um, I I don't know. I'm excited for the back half of the season. Ten goals, uh, eight assists. Ten goals, eight assists, Darwin. Ten goals, eight assists. There there you go. There you go. Uh, But um, I, you know, when we're looking at Liverpool moving forward, Mm -hmm. they haven't played a lot of the top six, if at all. I, I don't know for sure, but they have not played a lot of the top six at Anfield just yet. So they're really, I think, going to rev up a home campaign. They're going to have to make Anfield a fortress, um, as it already has, mm-hmm. against kind of lower quality moving forward if they want to actually mount um, you know, a title contention. Title contention. Uh, and I, I think that they are very much a title contender. Uh, I think so. I think so too. Being top three, Liverpool, mm-hmm. and one of the best decisions, Klopp, Klopp has made an elite decision by choosing Virgil Van Dijk being the captain and Trent Alexander mm-hmm. being the vice captain of that team. It makes total sense. Look at the longevity they have at the club and the talent and the passion they have towards Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. And no joke, Trent Alexander-Arnold will be remembered as one of the best right backs in football when he retires one day. Look how young he won at Champions League for Liverpool. He's boyhood scouse, scouse, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And if you see that goal, that absolute golazo, you will understand what I'm saying. And no joke again, Trent Alexander-Arnold on ball already is one of the best fullbacks I've ever seen in the Premier League. On ball and off ball, no doubt you can see the improvement he's had throughout the years. Throughout the years, yeah. defensively, mm-hmm. I know Doku had many moments that he was ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold. But who can defend Doku, honestly, okay? But he scored Precisely. a necessary goal, and that 1-1 goal was needed. And the celebration elite, yeah. too. Rumor says yeah. that he's and locked a big deal with Adidas. Those boots were elite. Uh, yeah, I have a uh, family member that works for Under Armour, and uh, they're, they're going to be pretty angry to leave him. Uh, or to lose him, I'm sure, because he is Under Armour. Uh, but it is uh, a very bold statement to say that he is going to be one of the best right backs of all time I, I believe uh, in that. the Premier League, right? I and, that. and and I'm not here to um, to throw any water on that, but he is still so young. Uh, 24 hasn't even turned 25 yet, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, and so I am really. I, I, just it was a wonderful moment to see. I feel like Liverpool probably could have had more, and if we can get Darwin actually scoring um, a whole lot more for <laughs> Liverpool, or at least putting those big chances away, um, they're going to be incredibly, incredibly dangerous. And, uh, so and yeah, yeah, and but I, I'm reminder, I'm excited for the return like here. And a mm-hmm. reminder is Man City's playing without Kevin De Bruyne, huge absence, True. and they're trusting the youth will fill Foden, Jeremy Delcu. And Julian Alvarez. It's uh, it's yeah. an ups, it's absurd to me that uh, I see people criticizing Julian Alvarez right now. He won the World Cup and was crucial to win it. He won the Champions League. He won the Premier League. He won the FA Cup. All these competitions, he had a key role. And no doubt in my mind, this is one of the best under-23 players in the world with Julian Alvarez. To replace Kevin De Bruyne and still be top of the league next to Arsenal. Come on, that's a yeah. huge statement. Don't hate on a player adapting to a new league and still succeeding with Julian Alvarez. Come on, people. And I would would extend that 
that favor, right? If we're going to say don't hate on Julian Alvarez, I would extend that favor to uh, Alexis McAllister, please. Um, I, I get that there is that whole World Cup, they want it with Argentina kind of tax, you could mm -hmm. almost call it, or maybe an overestimation. But you have to remember that at their core, less so Al Alexis McAllister, because he has been here, he was there with Brighton, but a whole different system under Klopp. Um, that they are adjusting uh, to these new systems and, and moving forward. And Julian Alvarez is just getting started. And I would throw in there, so is Alexis McAllister. Um, and that's just this like vestigial weirdness that comes from that World Cup being only a year ago at this time. Alex, <laughs> we were in the throes of it a year ago. Um, and the but Euros I, are I'll coming. Tell you what, I, six months, mate. And the give, Euros just are give six months. We're back to the stage, mate. And the thing here, oh too, with Man City is Erling Haaland. No, 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 mm -hmm. Kevin De Bruyne, but it, Erling Haaland had to perform. Erling Haaland became the fastest player ever to score 50 goals in the Premier League. Yep. We had seen that in the Bundesliga, okay, at a younger age. And obviously, too, the yep. mad stat that he was the youngest to ever to score 30 goals in the Champions League. He's the best goal scorer in Ooh. the world next to Harry Kane, Erling Haaland. But now's the time. Back mm. to back trebles will solidify him winning the Ballon d'Or. Let's wait and see if that can happen. But Kevin De Bruyne coming yeah. back is definitely a huge W when that happens. But Jeremy Doku, Absolutely. I reiterate, he's already, uh, Jeremy Doku is already a top three player in the Belgium national team, in my opinion. It's mad. Yeah. Johan Bakayoko, I mean, Jeremy Doku, Romelu Lukaku, Dominic yeah. Tedescu, <laughs> they can make something yeah. happen in the Euros. Don't sleep on them. Uh, Young wonder kid but manager. The, the, the the pros the prospect of Bakayoko and Doku on either wing uh, oh. moving forward for for many years to come for probably a decade right assuming they both stay healthy that is that's pretty scary that is pretty scary I don't know if it's going to be too soon for them to um, reimagine themselves as maybe a dark horse for the Euros I think next they summer are. I think but, they are but, uh, I really think they well, are well that I wing Belgium ahead of the, Spain. The, yeah, I mean, those are two of the best flank players, uh, with, or I should say highest potential flank players heading into these Euros. Uh, and they're going to be, at, at least, at the very least, Alex, you and I are going to want to catch every minute of every Belgium game if both of those two players are on the pitch together, right? Hopefully. Um, and, and just a crazy, mm -hmm. crazy stat before we move on from Manchester City. Mm -hmm. I, you know how we were doing this whole calendar year, goals scored, um, <laughs> everything like that? I was like, you know, what about the playmakers? What about mm -hmm. the assists, okay? Kevin De Bruyne has played probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 less fixtures club-wise than any other playmaker out there in say the top 10 euro leagues okay and kevin de bruyne is still within maybe one or two assists he has 17 assists over this past calendar year and he has missed almost half the time uh that uh, some of these other players like joey veerman uh like vinicius jr uh, has not missed. So the, the the fact of the matter is, is if Kevin De Bruyne comes back, uh, we know what it meant last year. We know what it will mean this year when he starts getting revved up again. So uh, for for those that have forgotten he's on the roster just because he's been injured a long time, um, that is exactly why Manchester City still remains favorites moving forward. Um, but Ooh, crazy. That's absolutely mad about that Kevin De Bruyne stat, mate. Just shows the talent that he has. And for me, Kevin De Bruyne is a player that is in the all-time Premier League team starting in my in my books. Yeah. Okay, so mm -hmm. that's a bold statement for some when you have Paul Scholes, Gerrard, and 
Lamport in the past. <laughs> but let us know down below Less your so thoughts now. on Man City. And But we're talking top four with this. And we had a big yep. match. 4-1. Newcastle showed who was the boss in St. James Park yeah. against Chelsea, okay? And what I got to say is Newcastle, fifth straight win. And it's the collective of talent, okay? The fifth straight win of Newcastle, and it's the collection of talent that is the biggest highlight with Eddie Howe. Despite a lot of injuries, players like Dan Byrne and Botman, which are crucial for 13. this team, we saw a team that still managed to succeed and dismantle Chelsea. Well organized, Eddie Howe is starting to be shown as one of the most underrated managers, maybe, in the world of football. And my shout, my special shout right mm -hmm. now, is Anthony Gordon must be selected by Southgate. 45 million pounds. We were wrong. It's a bargain. What a <laughs> deal by Newcastle. The player that was nominated, the best player in the under-21 European Championship last summer. And he is now balling out for Newcastle. Five goals, three assists this season, Anthony Gordon. And it's, it's just fantastic to see. Well, mentioning Anthony Gordon, I think uh, we'd be remiss... Not to mention the true star of the midfield. Beyond Chelsea's high-powered and very expensive midfield, there was a 17-year-old that was running St. James Park, and that was Lewis Millie. 17 years old, I already mentioned that, but because I mentioned that again, it's because he winds up in the record books. He's fifth or sixth youngest to register an assist in only his second Premier League start. And the fact that he's been doing this uh, with Enzo on the other side of the field, with Caicedo on the other side of the field, with Thiago Silva making mistakes, more mistakes this year than we've seen him make in any other year. It kind of baffles me um, that Newcastle, missing all of the players that they're missing, are getting what they need at home, at St. James Park, um, and managing to beat Chelsea by a higher margin than they have in 30-plus years. I, it's It baffles me to no end that Chelsea fans, that Pochettino, that really anybody uh, can watch that and say that there doesn't need to be, once again, drastic shakeups of the 11. Mm -hmm. I mean, 4-1 to one with 13 players missing on Newcastle. That's insane. It's, uh, Is it not? It's something that with Chelsea, we need to make a judgment, serious judgment, at second half of the Premier League season. I think if Pochettino mm. doesn't manage to improve how things are in terms of group, there must be big yeah. question marks already with uh, Pochettino, in my view. But you mentioned, the, you mentioned Lewis Milley at mm -hmm. 17, unreal game, but Alexander Isak was back from injury, and he was vital with that goal that Lewis Milley had a big hand in it. Seven Premier League goals yeah. Alexander Isak has right now, and he has equaled... Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the top goal scorers ever in Premier League history. Swedish top goal scorers ever in Premier League history. Those Look two. at that. And Anthony Gordon well, has 93 games in the Premier League at 22. 13 goals scored. And I'm absolutely certain he's going to be with more than 10 Premier League goals scored at the end of this season. I am confident about that. But he's got five goals right now. I believe he can get to the 12-goal mark. With the form that he mm. said, I believe in that. <laughs> well, just just to uh, you know explain to people the the, the missing depth in Newcastle's mm. lineup. Uh, Eddie Howe named three mm. goalkeepers. Okay, and when the the game was game set match, when it was four to one, he was able to hand three debuts, three Newcastle debuts, 
to academy players or players that recently got to the academy. So 19-year-old striker Michael Duaney, 20-year-old winger Amadou Diallo, and the one that I'm pretty high on is their defender, uh, Irish defender, 19-year-old um, Alex Murphy. And all three of them were able to actually take the pitch against Chelsea as if it was them beating Luton Town at St. James Park. Uh, I, I'm just at a loss for words once again, considering how they played well, and then they come in and, uh, no, no, nothing is set in yet. The ethos has not changed. Um, these players are not fully together. Uh, it is, what, one step forward, three steps back in this scenario, is it not for them? But kudos to, New, uh, to Newcastle for exploiting mm -hmm. it and for, you know, getting it done because they needed that uh, uh and back true. in the win column they go and newcastle yeah. with this victory is their first straight win at home and now they're entered the top four race that tottenham has lost a vital game with aston villa at home tottenham were unbeaten their first 10 games in the premier league but their last three they lost their last three mm. games it's looking very worrying when you don't have mickey van der ven and james madison what a game it was, though, by Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins has yeah. seven goals, five assists, and he's 100% an English national team striker. Not starting because of Harry Kane, but deserves to be the number two right now, ahead of even Tony and Callum Wilson, in my eyes. Ollie Watkins. And the start of the night yeah. is Unai Emery. The comeback against Tottenham happens because of Unai Emery. And what an unreal substitute that it was to take Moussa Diaby and put a player like Tielema elite mm. tactic tactician Unai Emery that in uh, that Unai Emery it's absolutely mad that Unai Emery 38 Premier League mm -hmm. games he's had at Aston Villa he's had 77 points scored and that's unreal yeah. unreal well the impact it, he's had. it's also it's also the most wins in one calendar year most Premier League wins in one calendar year that Unai Emery has architected at Aston Villa with 22 in their history, in their club's history. Uh, so it, it's not too shabby there. Um, and uh, I think players are, are starting to see that this is a heck of a culture to come into, heck of a heck of a tactic to, to work your way into because they uh, are only behind Manchester City by two goals scored this season. They're, they've scored 31 goals. Um, and a lot of it is because of their counterattacking um well, very counterattacking, heavy uh, play, which obviously is very different than the possession-based uh, Manchester City way of offense, but they're getting it from absolutely everywhere. Ali Watkins, you already mentioned, seven goals, what, five assists as well? Um, you've got Diaby. You've got a lot of guys coming in that, that are capable of making magic. You've got Douglas Louise chipping mm -hmm. in with five or six goals this season. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is very, very impressive the way that they're getting it from everywhere um, on the pitch and that was just a massive win to go into Spurs uh, but in Spurs defense Son did have a hat trick of offside goals <laughs> he did have a hat trick of offside goals so, that's so you know, unlucky friends you push the goal game of inches Spurs. unreal it's true and if the Wenger rule changes well, some of them could have been a goal that's 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 a fact yeah. and you mentioned it the midfield of aston villa was unreal against tottenham douglas Luiz has yeah. seven goal involvements in the premier league this season muggin what is such an engine and bubakar kamara was everywhere mm -hmm. everywhere yeah. unai Emery has improved massively a lot of these players and right now i would be surprised if aston villa uh, doesn't finish in the top seven. 
I would be surprised. So this means Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham, Brighton, Newcastle teams will be uh. fighting until the end. And that's what makes the Premier League so good to watch. <laughs> and Paul Torres, yeah. what a signing he was too. Vital goal. <laughs> Vital goal. Yeah, wonderful header. Uh, j just amazing. Curled away from the goalkeeper. Uh, you weren't saving that. You weren't saving that. And, um, and what but, I got to say, yeah. too, is this Tottenham game against Aston Villa showed us clearly that Tottenham don't have a title-winning team in, on paper and playing on the pitch, too. Without Madison, without Mickey van der Ven, they clearly showed a lot of problems. And, and going forward, Lo scored his first goal, but they still need better players. They need more options in order to be fighting, not just with Man City, but with Arsenal and Liverpool that I consider much better teams on paper than Tottenham right now. But Enje Postecoglou well, just started, literally. And things are better, it, I think. Yeah, th things are definitely still better. I mean, they had their chances in this game. They definitely mm -hmm. had their chances. It, it was a game of inches. Uh, you're talking about toes that were offsides. Um, but they had multiple, multiple instances where they cut Villa wide open and they had him exposed and it was just putting the ball away that was uh, a little little bit of an issue. I mean, Kulisevsky, I love him as a player, but he is the king of getting so dang close to putting the ball in the back of the net and just not doing it. He gets 90 he's the king of getting 95% of the way there. And but the not Carol, finishing though. the other 5%. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, I just think I, I, I'm not going to. Yes, it stinks uh, mm -hmm. to use a a a very um, special word, but yes, it stinks to see Spurs' uh, very small chances at winning a title uh, go down even further and basically get wiped away to next to nil. But I would not fire the alarm bells or whatever, fire mm -hmm. the shot across the bow. They still play very good football, and they still create chances, and I think they will be fine once they get through this mess. Mm -hmm. um, and if they get through this mess, because Rodrigo Bentancur has, might be out for a little while because he went out injured, so they might be heaping more. Uh, just It might just be tough moving forward. But I, I think they'll be okay in the end, and they will fight for a Champions League spot. And the fact that the Premier League might get five Champions League spots this season mm. uh, helps. Helps a whole lot. If there's the winner right. in the in the Champions League, it's true. The Man That's City, right. mm. we're going to be mentioning for the predictions of this next game week of, yes, Man City <laughs> obviously being favorites to win against RB Leipzig. But before we go yep. to Champions League, I think we should be mentioning here, we're halfway the episode, and La Liga has been very interesting, as it seems to, with right now... Yep. Barcelona dropped points. Unexpected. But I wanted to give, if we're going to talk La Liga from the start, I wanted to say this. That 100%, the two best players in La Liga, it's Jude Bellingham and it's Antoine Griezmann. What an elite season Griezmann has been having with Atletico, which this season he will become the all-time goal scorer of Atletico. He's three goals away. And even a player like Coque, 600 goals uh, it's games mm. played for Atletico. This is a legend. <laughs> and without Coque, the team is very different. So big shout out to Coque and Griezmann that balled out against Mallorca that it was a 1-0 one one win, but it was a needed win. And they got just that. It was. It was. Well, um, I, I, I think when we're talking about Barcelona and their dropped points, uh, I didn't know although Gavi very clearly has been the engine this season. He's been, it's crazy to say this about a teenager, 
Um, I didn't think they'd miss him that much that quick. Uh, but they barely scraped out a point against Rayo Vallecano. Um, and even Xavi is starting to drop the facade of um, always pepping him up, right? Of always motivating, of always whatever. He is basically saying, we are not playing well. Um, and we need to get back to it. And uh, yeah, he can't be more right. But as of right now, um, they're still they're still within the top. Uh, it's just, it comes down to the fact that you need uh, this, I mean... No. You need them to be playing well in the Champions League, and I don't know. I don't know right now. Real Madrid is definitely the favorite in my eyes. I agree with you, and that can't happen when Real Madrid has an injury list mm -hmm. bigger than anyone in the world, as it seems. Maybe Newcastle, because we hit some big-time Newcastle. But the list, Real Madrid's injury list should make Barcelona mandatory contenders to win. La Liga. If we see it, it has Vini, it has Courtois, it has Camavinga, it has Chouameni, it has Eder Militão, Rodrigo, and even has Jude Bellingham playing on painkillers, okay, mm -hmm. to be top in La Liga against Girona. This cannot happen. And I know Xavi, when he starts at Barcelona, they're much better financially now. They develop many youngsters. He's won two trophies, but still, his most expensive signing was Rafinha. There was a choice to get a winger, and that winger isn't putting in the big performances. There's a lack of wingers right now at Barca, and there's a lack of striker when Lewandowski isn't performing well. Vitor Roque is very, very needed. Very needed. Yeah. And Xavi mm. must be worried because Barca is one of the toughest jobs ever. Like, one of the oh, ever no, one of the toughest jobs in the world is to be the Barca manager. And Xavi is in the hotspot right now because they're not playing yeah. inspiring football. They show a lot of lack of passion. And now without Gavi and without mm. wingers, I want to see if they're scoring goals because Ron Felix isn't performing well. He must do better, especially, especially without Gavi. It can't be the case what yeah. they're doing now. Uh, and, and to... And to twist the knife a little more it must have been tough for Xavi to see that Usmane Dembele goal scored for PSG <laughs> over the weekend because uh man if he could do that every week Usmane Dembele would still be considered one of the best wingers on the planet Fuck. um he is capable of entertaining the hell out of you uh when he wants to or when he's healthy um and it, it, it is baffling to see that that was Usmane Dembele's first PSG goal um, but it was beautiful. But Xavi's probably kind of crying in his whatever you eat in the you know what? whatever whatever you eat for breakfast in Spain. He's probably crying at it because that is exactly what he wants right now and, on his wings. And we see um, more news hmm. hinting that Iman e, e, <clears throat> sorry Imanol Aguasil to go to Barca. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, he's one of the best managers in La Liga and the manager of Real Sociedad. If that were to yeah, convince yep. a player like Zubi Mendy. Going to Barca too, that Xavi is a big admirer. Oh, but by no means. I'm saying that Xavi is in the risk to lose his job right now. I do believe they're oh. still in the Champions League and they're top three fighting in La Liga. He will have to have a bad, oh. very bad season in La Liga this season in order to be sacked. But I don't think and that will be the case. I really don't. And I want, I want Real Sociedad to get back in the mix here. I want them to get back in the mix. They're playing pretty dang well the top of the champions league group that they're in and they're making their way up la liga's table after a rocky start so um i just love that project 
there. I think Real so Madrid. Long, hopefully, it continues. I think yeah. Real Madrid. I see a lot of news. Marca and Ash. I've been reading. I'm trying to get my Spanish better. Okay, I'm trying to get it on. <laughs> <laughs> and I see a lot of the Spanish media saying that Real Madrid are now financially very strong now that they're earning 250 million euros to 300 with the with the stadium having multi functions with uh concerts with nfl games with mm -hmm. basketball games they're making a lot of profit profit from that and if they can get an mbappe next season mm -hmm. things will be different for barca so barca have Look to anticipate that. what's happening and they gotta get better players especially a winger like we gotta look at that it. they did it with that they did it without selling their soul to Spotify. Just kidding. <laughs> that was mean. That was rude. I'm kidding. It's just well, a little tongue. I want to see. I want to see Cam now, though, Bretton. I believe Cam now will be buzzing when it's back. I bet Bernabeu. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm so excited to go see Jude Bellingham one day. <laughs> so, yeah, one so day. that's uh, one, one day. <laughs> one day. Or, one day. or go well, to Porto, Porto's going to. Or go Porto, to. Oh right, Cam now. <laughs> uh, go to Girona. Yeah, yeah. I mean that stadium's tiny. So, uh, it, yeah, Girona is still still up there. Still up there. Still kicking. Ah, we'll see. I we'll see what happens. I see some tweets that, uh, on X. I'm sorry. Some X quotes that are stating mm -hmm. that Barca with Xavi are slowly turning to Man United. Are you mad? Did you see how financially <laughs> bad they were with Laporta without Xavi? It's absolutely mad. The unreal job he's done to win a La Liga with the players he had mm -hmm. in the Champions League. It was injuries. But now... He's yep. got no excuse this season in the Champions League, Xavi. I want to see a Barca team minimal go to the quarterfinals if they don't face a team like Bayern Munich or Man City beforehand. They must go at yep. least to the quarter. It must happen, people. But let us know your well, thoughts down below about that. because Yeah, um, and a nice little so segue hard. there because it's, it's Porto heading to Barcelona next. And they've got to be um, feeling like they might be vulnerable. And they actually have a chance to win their group. So I think... Probably, what do you think? UCL quickfire predictions yes, right now? Yes, UCL quickfire okay. predictions. But let us know down below in the comments section your uh, thoughts and predictions. And don't forget to like this video for more predictions just like this. <laughs> Group A, Galatasaray yeah. against Man United. Bayern Munich mm. against Copenhagen. I believe Galatasaray yeah. won't lose. I'll even go bold and say Icardi scoring and Galatasaray winning. And Bayern Munich securing a win, securing a win with... Harry Kane scoring a goal. Those are my predictions. <laughs> oh, I I like it. I think, uh, yeah, I think Harry Kane is going to likely be golden boot leader by the end of this game uh, versus Copenhagen. No offense to Copenhagen because they played very well. Got a historic win against Manchester United. And I think Galatasaray, I mean, it's elimination time. So Manchester United is currently beating the heck out of Everton over the weekend. My guess is Galatasaray is going to end that party a little bit early um, and uh, they're going to be fighting for Europa League because Moro Akardi, Dries Mertens, and Wilfred Zaha were on point against Alanya Spor over the weekend after a brief little lose losing session uh, for Galatasaray. So uh, I'm going to say, yeah, Bayern Munich, Galatasaray go through in Group A. <laughs> Bayern Munich and Galatasaray is not looking good with Rashford having a better game. And yes, Garnacho scoring an elite bicycle kick. Oh. Group B now yeah. with Sevilla against PSV and Arsenal against La. I believe PSV mm. will not be losing against Sevilla with Yonga Bakayoko and Joy Veerman having a masterclass. And I believe Arsenal will secure a win against La and once again show that they are in the Champions League meaning serious business <laughs> yep and uh we've 
forgotten to say, let's see, Johan Johan Bakayoko, Malik Tillman, Serginho Dest. All of these players are also on point, even if Luke de Jong um, and the Joey Veerman and Gus Till aren't scoring goals. PSV heat check. They've won 13 in a row in the Eredivisie, and they are going to continue that form in Group B. I think they're going to at least get a draw or a win in Sevilla, and I think Arsenal is going to take care of Lons at the Emirates, so I think it's going to be Arsenal-PSV moving forward. And I just got to ask you, did you see the whole Serginho Dest craziness with the U.S. <laughs> men's national Disrespectful team? that a player with his experience at Barca uh-huh. and at AC Milan does a poor action like that. I sure expect yeah. better from Serginho Dest coming forward because there's no excuse uh, after an incident like that. You only can do once have, in the lifetime, something yeah. like that. Exactly, and for a young player, I, I don't think I've ever seen that. The, the, the closest that I have ever seen to that uh, was Balotelli in a friendly in the States with that ridiculous like back heel goal point mm-hmm. blank that missed completely, and then he got subbed off right away. That type of disrespect in a Copa America qualifier and the CONCACAF Nations League, it shocked me. And I only hope it's one of those things where it was so out of pocket, so out of character of Dest, that, you know, after he has many sessions talking to Tim Ream, Greg Berhalter, Christian Pulisic, mm-hmm. um, and he, you know, kind of says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and keeps saying sorry, uh, that he gets back into it and plays well. But PSV had him right in the lineup, um, and he's right back in form. So we'll see what happens. But no. I think PSV's getting through. I, th- I just think Sergino has to face his problems and say it to the group in the locker room, that was my bad, and yeah. move from then and have the right training sessions. He's got to prove in the trainings. Mm-hmm. Not with what he says. No. Like, actions need to well, speak louder than his words. No doubt, yeah. Sergino can't do anything close to what he did that game. But now, tell us well, down below you your A and B yeah. predictions. Because <laughs> it yes. hasn't been yes. easy, okay? Group C now. We have Real Madrid, Napoli, and a Braga against Union Berlin. I think Real Madrid will be beating mm-hmm. Napoli. And I think Braga will be securing their third spots going through like in it. the Europa League that I love to see it. And Union Berlin have a new manager that is good to see too, that it might change things, but Braga still is going to win it. <laughs> well, they wanted, Union Berlin wanted Raul. They yes. wanted Raul to come in and uh, wanted to hand him the reins. And he said, nope, I'm going to stay at Real Madrid. And I don't blame them because they're coming off of a 12-game losing streak. And on top of that, I think in the last three, they've actually gotten a little bit better. Mm-hmm. They've drawn twice. And they've got another loss. So uh, Union Berlin is still in the running to somehow get into the Europa League. But I think Braga, you're right, is going to uh, give their home fans a win at home um, and beat them. And I think they'll go to Europa League and it'll be Real Madrid first, Napoli second. But it is nice to see Victor Osimhen back healthy and playing. And uh, they beat Atalanta, and um, we'll see if they can maybe upset the apple cart against Real Madrid a little bit. (laughs) It's going to be a difficult one in Group C, as it seems to. Group D Mm -hmm. now with Benfica against Inter, and then we have Real Sociedad against Red Bull Salzburg. Benfica-Inter will be a display of one of the best wonder kids right now in football. Zronevs, and Truben in goal, he's playing quite well. But Zronevs more (laughs) against the Inter elite defense okay no doubt Inter has one of the best defenses in the world but I believe Benfica will be securing at least one point at home with a masterclass of Trubin, Antonio Silva and Zonevs trust 
the youth and Real Sociedad yeah. will be beating Red Bull Salzburg that Real Sociedad has one of the best midfields in the world with Braiz Mendes, Zubimendi and Mikel Merino. Don't sleep on them. Yeah. Don't sleep. No, don't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll start with that. Real Sociedad will beat Salzburg at home. I'm going to say that. Uh, I don't think this Salzburg is as convincing as Salzburg's of the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say something that's going to be a little bit controversial because you said draw. I think Benfica has the chance to beat Inter at the <laughs> Estadio de Luz. And how nice would that be for them to secure at least the Europa League moving forward with these two games left? Um, I, I just think Benfica has not shown their best self yet. And what a day would it be midweek if they decided to do it against one of the best teams in the world right now in terms of form, right? So Benfica, I'm going to say, is going to beat Inter Milan midweek, um, and they are going to be well on their way to at least getting that third place over Salzburg. And I'm going to say Real Sociedad eventually wins this group. Wow! Bold statements yeah. right here. And check Zronev in that game. I love what mm-hmm. I'm hearing from Bretson right here, okay? Right. And let us know if you agree with the bold statement that Bretson just said, because I, I, I even have goosebumps, mate. I even have goosebumps <laughs> after what I heard from you just now. Yeah. But this is the difficult group, too. Group E with mm-hmm. Feyenoord against Atletico and Lazio against Celtic. I think definitely mm-hmm. Feyenoord against Atletico, I think both teams are going to score in Rotterdam. Goal of Griezmann and a goal of Santiago Jimenez. Don't be surprised if that happens, but I'm going to say... Feyenoord doesn't lose, and I'm going to go Lazio mm-hmm. beating Celtic. Mauricio Sarri, ball in the Champions League. Well, I am going to have to agree with you, um, except for that whole Lazio thing. I think Celtic <laughs> is so far gone. I mean, if you saw Lazio this past weekend, I'm not entirely sure what happened to uh, versus Salernitana, but they lost to Salernitana, and I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but it is you are, you are. not great. Um, there. Uh, but I think you're right. I think Feyenoord and Atleti will share points. I think Feyenoord actually has a shot to beat them with how good Santiago Jimenez has been, obviously, in the Eredivisie. Um, he's got his first two goals against Lazio in the Champions League. And Calvin Stengs is coming off a hat trick for the Dutch national team, which puts the cherry on top of a really, really, really long uh, winded, injury-prone period of time where he's playing his best football. So I'm going to say, long-winded way of saying, Feyenoord will make its way near the top, but Atleti will still beat and win the group. Um, but I'm going to say Celtic at least gets a point in Rome. Ah! And because Celtic <laughs> needs a point in Rome. Celtic has been, I don't think there's any way of sugarcoating this, Alex. Celtic has been horrendous in the Champions League the last two seasons. Absolutely horrendous. And with some of, you know, they've got really interesting talent on their team. You would expect them to at least punch a little bit Mm -hmm. above their weight and score a point here or change their tactics um, to score a point here or there to make it less abysmal than what they've managed. So it's not me ripping on Celtic as much as what do Celtic supporters feel? I mean, do you really feel that outmatched? against UCL supporters or uh, UCL clubs? I think so. I think uh, I think Scottish yeah. League is very unmatched right now. I think in the past, mm. technically, technology, football hadn't advanced in the stage that like a team like Newcastle, a team like Union Berlin would be so mm-hmm. fast in the Champions League. If you see their progression, you didn't have teams that were so well-developed in such a short period of time. Celtic was an established yeah. team. They were a top team with Eric Larson in the past. Like, it wasn't yeah. so far ago. So I think that with time, 
Celtic has been suffering with the progress of football in other leagues and other uh, teams too. But like but two, but Alex, if if Copenhagen, if Copenhagen's can beat Manchester United, right? Mm-hmm. If uh, let's see who else, if Lens can beat Arsenal, okay, Celtic should be able to at least beat one of these squads. And that that goes back to last season as well because it isn't even really games. Yeah, they've got a draw this season. I guess. Um, but it, it, it's Bernard. really it's tough to see. I hope he does good mm-hmm. and yeah, I just they they let go of Jota and there's still not no player that has that like Jota type uh, charisma in that team in my point sure. of view. I like Abada, oh, Palma. I, I like Rio Atate. Yeah. I like Palma too, but Still, yeah. there's still, there's still, t- it needs more time. But let's wait and see yeah. if they can w- make it happen. Group of death okay. now, always a difficult yeah. one to predict. Group F, we have Milan against Dortmund, and we have PSG mm. against Newcastle. I believe AC Milan will be beating Dortmund with a masterclass of Mike Magna that is back and crucial, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And I believe Paris Saint-Germain will be beating a difficult team of Newcastle, even though it's away. Newcastle played tremendous football. A lot of injuries, but Kylian Mbappé mm-hmm. must show that he's a Ballon d'Or contender against Newcastle. Milan's going to win, and PSG's going to beat Newcastle in my predictions for Group F. <laughs> yeah, and and for those that forgot, Newcastle lost uh, two, I believe it was two away games, mm-hmm. right, previous to that big thumping 4-1 win at home. Dortmund, and yeah. yes, this is away again. I think the depleted squad is going to bite them in the butt with this one, and PSG is just too hot right now. Kylian um, Mbappe, in his last 11 games for club and country, has uh, 14 goals and 6 assists. So that's 20 goal involvements in his last 11 games, and obviously, respectfully, he led PSG over Monaco 5-2 over the weekend, and I just don't see Newcastle, as much as I'm going to love seeing Louis Millie on the field again, I just don't see it happening for them, which is going to hurt, but Milan Dortmund, I think, is going to wind up in a draw, because Dortmund, while I don't really like what they're doing right now, they still find a way to get results, mm-hmm. and uh, they were down two zip in the first 30 minutes against Gladbach over the weekend, and then they scored four goals, and uh, got to give some credit where it's due to Jamie Bino-Gittens uh, getting on the pitch and having a goal, having an assist, and uh, back healthy again, so it's it's good to see that, but I think Milan is tough. Christian is back. Uh, Magnan is back. Tiani Reinders is running the midfield uh, very capably. So it's uh, great to see. But I think we also need to mention um, that I wouldn't call it the elephant. We'll call it the baby elephant in the room here. A 15-year-old, Alex, a (laughs) 15-year-old became the most, the, the, the youngest to ever debut in Syria. And that is Francesco Camarda. 15 years old, eight months um, in such a storied, wonderful league. It is at an, and a storied club, I should say that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but there was nothing more heartwarming than seeing his family react to that, seeing him take the pitch. Um, and if you don't know his numbers, I don't have them for you I right now. But they are I... good, good for you because they are Mukoko numbers uh, <laughs> in that academy, are they not? Francesco Camarda at 13 had 487 goals. And he had 87 oh games. 483 goals. Elite. Francesco mm. Camarda at 13, 483 goals and 87 games. And 2018, and 2019, he scored 172 yeah. goals in 31 
games. Why did he play? Why did he came on and became the youngest player ever in Serie A? Because he performed in Primavera this season already, and he has scored yep. in the youth league <laughs> at 15. Unreal. And in more than one and game. And needs a striker. More than one game. Exactly. Where's Oka for? Embarrassing. Yep. Where's Oka for? But Mike yep. Magnan is back. So that is a very big plus. But let us know down below who is the next youngster like Francesco Camarda that is going to be brewing in a top team because we'll be mentioning under-17 World Cup to more forward. Yeah. But going mm -hmm. now with Group G, we have Man City, RB Leipzig, and we have a very important game for Europa League spot between Young Boys and sure. Red Star. Man City is going to yeah. win this game, confident about that. And we're going to see, I think, Young Boys winning at home against red star but it's going to be a 50 50 game between these two teams i i don't really need to add anything uh more <laughs> there uh but young boys needs to win if they want europa league and if they're at home they got to get it done uh red star has better form as of late young young boys i think lost over the weekend to zurich the tippy top of the table mm -hmm. um and Re rb leipzig they're not going to beat manchester city by a lot of goals so if they were to even beat manchester city at what cost so you might as well accept your second place because um and, and go through it, I guess. But Xavi Simmons, they lost over the weekend to Wolfsburg. Xavi Simmons was still very, very good in that game. I'm going to be more interested to see him against this Manchester City side. And whether or not Pep uses this as a moment to rotate. But we'll see. Uh, it's interesting. That is an interesting see to, uh, thing to see. And maybe we'll see. No. Joel and <laughs> They're balled out in the under-17 World Cup. Yeah. I'm joking. But that would be a bold thing to see. But we, wouldn't we'll that be, wouldn't that be cool? But Luke Eba is going to be introduced yeah. in, in England and Xavi Simmons. So mm -hmm. it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how Xavi Simmons plays in yep. English territory. Right Oscar there. Bob, at least. Uh, we should oh, see him. Oscar Bob. Yeah, good show. Good show. And maybe uh, Valentin Barco if, he get, if they get that done. But let's <laughs> – not now, not now. He's still in Boca Juniors. But Group H now, the final group, we have Barca against Porto and we have Shakhtar Donetsk against Royal Antwerp. I fully expect – Porto not to lose against Barca because this, this Barca team is very poor right now. And if Porto don't lose in Camp Nou, no, Camp Nou, no. If Porto don't lose at home against Barcelona, that will be a big statement. A Porto team that has Ivan Jaime, a good Spanish player, Evan Nielsen, Taremi, Diogo Costa, Alan Varela. So let's, fingers crossed, and let's wait and see if, if they manage not to lose. So I'll go Porto not losing, and I'll go Royal Antwerp beating Shakhtar that have an interesting player with Sudokov. Ooh. I think Royal okay. Antwerp could I, do I it. like... I really I, like I, Mandela I, Keita. I would love for them to do it as well. Um, and uh, Royal Antwerp deserves a a win, at least, in this in this particular Champions League. But I'm with you. I'm going to say Porto-Barcelona draw. Uh, but the last time Porto went to Barcelona, uh, you you may recall this, you may not. You were, you were a young boy uh, back when this happened. This was 2011, and it was the Super Cup. And there were two red cards uh, given to Porto. And it was Messi, it was Xavi, it was Iniesta, it was Dani Alves, it was Mascherano versus Hulk. Freddy Guarín. Joao Matinho, uh, um, just Varela, some great, great Otamendi, Falcão, Otamendi. Rames. I don't know if they were in that game or maybe yeah. they were transferred. But like the uh, Porto I, team, I, the Porto iconic yeah. team was one of the best teams I've ever seen in my life um, personally. Hulk, well, Rames Rodriguez, Falcão, Guarín, Motinho, uh, Maicon, 
Uh, then you have the fullbacks, Danilo and Alexandro, Elton back in mm -hmm. the day. Beautiful, me. I love that yeah. you mentioned that. <laughs> well, I had to, and it, they'll hope that the uh, scoreline ends differently because that was a 2-0 <laughs> Barcelona win that day. And I believe they had Kleber, Kleber yes. starting up top on that day. So they might have already transferred a few out. But um, I just had to go down that memory lane. It was surprising. Obviously, that was at Camp Now, and this will not be at Camp Now because it is under renovation. Uh, but uh, it is pretty awesome to see that. And that is the wonderful thing about the Champions League. And that is the wonderful thing about, you know, Barcelona not always playing, say, Real Madrid or PSG, mm -hmm. is that <clears throat> 10 years plus, 12 years, was the last time Porto played in Barcelona. That's pretty cool stuff, in and, my opinion. And remember, I think that's a great. The first thing. game ever of Messi for a, with a Barca jersey wasn't Porto's new stadium, Stadio de Dragão, oh, when wow. it was first announced. Wow. So they saw the debut of Lionel Messi ever in football playing for Barcelona, the Porto fans. Wow. There's a bit of history between I didn't them know. both. <laughs> I didn't know the Dragão was that young. Yeah, the Dragão yeah, was built uh, towards the Euros uh, because the okay. Euros was such a big thing. We got so many stadiums, wow. but we're going to have the World Cup in 2030. So I'm happy that yeah. that's gonna, all going to be used for the right functions. But let us know down below your game week predictions. What have you missed? What predictions were we extremely wrong? But tell us the ones we were right to. We want to see some love down below in the comment <laughs> section. And don't forget to like this video. Before we get mm -hmm. to the Under-17 World Cup, we want to mention not teams and players that deserve to be mentioned here at FC Wonderkid. And I'm going to start here with Bayer Leverkusen. That is a consistent mention oh in the FC Wonderkid podcast. Right now, Bayer Leverkusen have the best, no, the best start ever in Bundesliga history has been done by Bayer Leverkusen with Xabi Alonso. 12 wins, one draw, and that draw was against Bayern Munich. 62 goals scored, 14 suffered, and the improvement of Wirtz, Fringpong, uh, signing Shaka, Hoffman. This team is absolutely yep. elite. And a heat check like we do constant uh, weekly <laughs> with PSV. Yeah. This is a heat check with Bayern Leverkusen fullbacks right now. The Jeremy Fringpong mm. has 17 goals scored, 6 goals, 7 assists. Grimaldo, 18 games, 9 goals, 6 assists. And Grimaldo is the defender with most goals scored in all the top five leagues. Grimaldo. That's bonkers. Uh, the, the combined cost there, I believe, was a little over 10 million euros. So, um, wow. Free, That's good business. And, and all I... Uh, and, and they're top of the Bundesliga, as you already mentioned. They're also top of the, their Europa League group. Um, and they're doing it in style. I mean, 37 goals in 12 Bundesliga games is just pretty amazing considering you're going up against Bayern Munich, who that's like normal for them to do that uh, with Harry Kane. Um, but I'm going to say it, every Xabi Alonso win uh, puts him a step closer to him leaving. And uh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it because I'd rather see a new power rise than see the vacuum of super clubs uh, take all the best young coaches. Um, so I would love to see another Shabby Alonso season or two, see what he can do the rest of the season. So I hope, I hope I'm wrong about the fact that every Shabby Alonso win at Bayer Leverkusen leads uh, <laughs> him one step closer to the Bernabeu. Like winning um, we'll 3 0 away from home, and it's just like he's solidified right. the defense. And the thing here about Xabi Alonso, it's 
when he started at Leverkusen, they were 17th. And now, tactically-wise, they play so simple, yet so beautifully. It's absolutely yeah. unreal to see. And Xabi Alonso was coached by Mourinho, was coached by Ancelotti, and was coached by Pep Guardiola. That was a key yeah. reason towards his IQ that he has, elite. And just like Zidane at Real Madrid, Xabi Alonso was once a Galactico and can go into a training session and also play with the Galactico players. That is an elite yeah. statement, and not a lot of people could do just that. So let's wait and see what's yep. going to happen in the future. So, do you have mm -hmm. anything you really want to mention before we go to the World Cup, Breton? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, really quickly, we have to mention another Wonder Kid uh, mm -hmm. manager, right? And we mentioned him last week, but it continues once again. Nice in Ligon wins again one nothing they get the goal from Tara Mafi remember we were saying he's kind of like the key to this whole thing if Tara Mafi can score consistently they could keep this running because he's got the defense very early he's got the defense solidified at least for league um they still have only conceded four goals now in 13 games unbeaten to start the league on season this is his first season in France and for those that don't know the 34 year old uh, is Italian he spent two uh, well let's see multiple seasons in Turkey but before that he was under the tutelage of a certain Roberto De Serbi <laughs> so my guess is you are going to be seeing Francesco Ferrioli's name more and more and more as De Serbi starts to get linked either out of Brighton or um, maybe as a heir apparent to DeSerbi at Brighton. So it's really, really pretty amazing. Uh, obviously, PSG is hard to keep up with, but eight wins, five draws in Ligue 1. They have not lost yet in 13 games. Um, so remember the name Frances Francesco Ferrioli, and they're doing that without Youssef Attel. I don't want to talk about why he's out. They're, they did that without Todibo over the mm -hmm. weekend, who is out with injury. Um, so really, really impressive stuff going on at Ligue 1. But and we Buka, always like to root for a team. They got Marcel yeah. Buka, oh, Buka that is the top in clean yeah. sheets in the top five leagues. They got a, a Dante, an experienced player, yeah. Alexa Todibo going bull. Melvin Bart. Awesome. What a player. Yeah. Like Great. a Ligue 1 water yeah. kid succeeding now mm -hmm. at Nice. So Francesco Farioli, keep doing, keep cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Remember cooking. the name. And like you're saying yep. with Francesco Farioli, my last show before we go to World, World Cup is Jorel mm. Hatu. If you don't know this mm. left-footed center back, he's one of the best under-18 talents in the world because he's Captain Ajax, a different Ajax from when they start him now, and a Dutch national team selection now. So Jorel Hatu yeah. has Captain Ajax, and he was selected for the Dutch national team at 17, a left center back elite player confident passing the ball yeah. very good understanding of the game already fantastic physique for a 17 year old so you might as well mm -hmm. remember the name and he's the fifth youngest player ever to play for the dutch national team ajax have a new I love it. elite center back with shorel hatu I love it. I but love yes. it. And yeah, I, I love it too. Bef but before we get to U17 World Cup, mm -hmm. I got to just throw two little factoids at you because we, we missed this in the Premier League. Mm. Uh, but Brighton's Evan Ferguson, 19 years old, scored obviously a well-taken goal over the weekend. Uh, his, his finishing is phenomenal for still being a teenager. True. But it is his sixth Premier League goal of the season, already matching last season's total. And he is now level with a certain Wayne Rooney for most Premier League goals by a teenager 
in a calendar year with 11. And that is impressive. And, and he's also already <laughs> starting and playing relatively well for an Ireland team that is going to continue to need a refresh for years and years to come. Um, but it, pretty amazing stuff. Now, the other stat I have to throw at you is with Bournemouth heating up, Justin Claver, mm. right? We, we all know the name. We all yeah, know the, the name of because Clivert. of the exact <laughs> – and I said Clivert. I meant Clivert. I'm sorry. Uh, but with his goal versus Sheffield United over the weekend, he becomes only the second player, second player in this century, in the 21st century, to score in the top five or top six Euro leagues, whichever way you want to put it, because he qualifies for both. He scored in the Premier League with Bournemouth. He scored in Syria with AS Roma. He has scored in Lyon with Nice. <laughs> he scored in La Liga with Valencia and in the Bundesliga on loan at RB Leipzig. And all, if you want to throw in there that Ligon is not the fifth best, you can say Ajax in the Eredivisie oh, as well. And, <laughs> and he's only the second player to do this. I'm going to ask you. Do you know, and I'm not going to tell you the answer. I want to see it in the comment section. Do you know who it is? Not Ibra. It's uh, not, no. No, I don't. Uh, Jovetic. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well done, sir. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I was going to say I wasn't going to give the answer, but that, that was very well done. I'm kind of shocked on the second that you got it. That's, that's I, I, I phenomenal. Was, it's not a lot of players that, like, there's so many... Like I was, I was just finding yeah. it tough to to get the the Premier League. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. But I'm gonna say, I, I know we all wish Justin Clivert's, um uh, career has maybe gone differently in terms of honors and accolades and whatnot. But at least his passport has been incredibly active. Um, I mean, <laughs> to agent. score in six oh, six good. major leagues, that's pretty impressive. No, and he was an extreme... Like, remembering the Ajax-Man United final, Mourinho went up to him and was yeah. like, look, <laughs> you want to come to United? Like, you're legit an extremely good talent. So he was yep. in a good place at one time, but it's just like... And every youngster, ups and downs, tough career. Mm -hmm. It's more than football. They're, they're people, too. So a lot happened in Justin yeah. Clivert's life that made him maybe not is. have the best decisions. But let us know down mm. below about Clivert's life, if you know what happened, <laughs> or anything else that we have mentioned that, uh, that you want us mm. to talk about more or just go bold about certain topics. And now, under 17, mm. World Cup. It's been phenomenal to watch. We have so many surprises. But the final, as it seems, will be France. No. The two semifinals is France against Mali, and there's an Argentina mm -hmm. against Germany. But we've got mm -hmm. stars on the four teams, haven't we, Breton? <laughs> yes, we have. Yes, we have. Where do you want to start? Well, Argentina. We, I think Ar Ooh. Argentina. Well, well, for Brazilian fans, that was one of the worst weeks of football. Losing to Argentina after losing to Uruguay and Colombia, now losing to Argentina. The way they did. And then in the Under-17 World Cup, 3-0. They lose with a hat-trick at Claudio Echeverri that has a 25 million release clause. And every top team mm -hmm. in Europe wants to sign him for sure. After Enzo Fernandez, after Julian Alvarez, we have now Claudio Echeverri that is balling out in the Under-17 World Cup. And you must remember the forward's name. What a player. Yeah, and <laughs> and it, it was a, a three-zip crushing of the Brazilian U-17s that were really just starting to get things under uh, and rolling. Uh, but between the river duo of El Diablito, which is 
Claudio Echeverri and uh, Agustin uh, Ruberto mm-hmm. uh, scoring. I mean, they are now both co-Golden Boot leaders with five goals each. So they are absolutely killing it. And I'm just going to add one more thing to that Echeverri mm-hmm. transfer saga that hasn't started yet, but will start in the very near future, I'm sure. Not only is there a release clause, but his contract is up next December. So mm. that decision is going to need to be made relatively soon. And, you know, I would love to see him go to MLS first, um, but we'll see. Maybe Messi's about to give him a call. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Real Madrid, <laughs> Real Madrid, they have Nico Paz there. Why not get Echeverri yeah. when you have Real Madrid always signing all the Brazilian youngsters with Hendrik Rodrigo Vini? Why not go for the Argentinians yeah. with you already have yep. Nico Paz with Echeverri going there too. But mm. there's another player that, well, if we're going to talk, Echeverri is definitely one of the contenders to win the Golden Boy of the Under-17 World Cup. The other player, mm-hmm. in my view, is Ibrahim Diara that is locked in to go to Barca when he turns 17. Uh, turns 17 when he turns 18. <laughs> Ibrahim Diara, five games, three goals, three assists, and no doubt he's in the team of the tournament already. Mali are contenders to win the Under-17 World Cup because they have Ibrahim Diara. That is a player you must, you must remember, okay? Unreal. Amara Diou for Senegal was elite, and he was the start, like the, the, the first player to be mentioned, African player to be mentioned big time with the Under-17 World Cup. But at the end, mm-hmm. we're all going to be chanting Ibrahim Diara. That was an elite um, player too, Amara Diouf at 15. <laughs> absolutely, and and there are other players on that that Mali team, but I'm going to say it. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling for Mali versus France. I am pulling for Mali versus France. Um, France, uh, we can talk about them in a second, but obviously they are under investigation about a player that uh, had already played for another country during the qualifying process, uh, but they're not going to get kicked out of the tournament. Uh, but I would love to see this Mali side make its way to the final um, to play, I'm going to guess, Argentina. But we'll, the, Ibrahima has been phenomenal and my best pick or my best player of the tournament. I think he is the leader for Golden Ball. It really does depend on who wins the dang thing. Mm-hmm. Right, because if Argentina wins, it's Echeverri or Roberto, depending on who has the biggest game. Ah, uh, I think Echeverri still will get it, even though Roberto is even though Agustin Roberto has scored in every mm-hmm. game in the Under Seventeen mm-hmm. World Cup, but the Brazil game that had a hat trick yep. of Claudio Echeverri. So Agustin Roberto mm-hmm. is another elite talent. I agree. I think Mali will yes. be beating France because this Mali mm-hmm. team has a, such a good midfield. Okay, and I think. Wait, this is a tough game, but Argentina, Germany, please, please know yeah. the day and lock it in and watch the game. Or if you don't watch it live, watch it afterwards because we'll have Paris Brunner and Noah mm-hmm. Darvish versus Claudio Echeverri and Agustin Roberto that are elite mm-hmm. talents in the Under-17 World Cup. But I still believe Germany will be winning because, because they beat Spain. Really? Undramatically, mm-hmm. it wasn't the best game by Spain, but they no. still beat them. With efficiency. Yeah. Paris Brun yeah. knew what to do. And Noah Darvish didn't have the best game, but still was involved in a bit of the pieces. So I'm going to go with Germany. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they, they do have a stout defense. Um, I'm, I don't have his name written down, but the center back uh, for Wolfsburg, um, he's been phenomenal all tournament. And uh, I should have his name down when I'm mentioning mm-hmm. a defender. And the funny thing is, is the one defender I wanted to give a real shout out to for having a very good tournament, he's Spanish. 
and he's already out of the tournament, and no, that's Pau Cabarsi. Mm-hmm. I thought Pau Cabarsi was phenomenal all tournament, didn't get that much love because Hector Fort has been so good for Spain. Uh, but a lot of these guys, you know, we mentioned Noah Darvish. We mentioned Noah Darvish. That's the Wolfsburg yes, thank center you. back. That's mm-hmm. right. That is exactly who it is. Um, it is so. Yeah, Germany has a wonderful defense. Argentina has a high-powered offense. Um, that's going to be a really, really good game to watch. Um, but I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to say it's going to be Argentina Mali in the final. Um, and I, I I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Mali's going to win. Ah! <laughs> I, I love Mali wins love, it all. I would love to be that, that to be the case because Mali deserve it. They were like, it's always unsung heroes, unsung mm-hmm. heroes. I was believing that Spain would do it. And I still want to mention for the people that are listening at home. Remember, Pau Prim, CDM of Spain. Remember, Hector Fort, <laughs> great fullback. Rem- remember, Mark Gui that scored in his debut for Barca, 23 seconds in. And remember a mm-hmm. player like King Juanayat. I don't know if I said it right. I must have butchered it. But the Barca youth was very involved in the Under-17 <laughs> World Cup, and they will be involved yep. for the first team in the future too with Noah Darvish in that German team. So, yeah, I think Ooh. that Germany will be winning it. I think Germany will be winning it. Wow. It's it's a it's wow. a bull shout, but Germany against Mali, I think the, the German youth will be taking it. I could be wrong. Okay. But let us know down All below right. your choices. Wonder kids that we should have mentioned in this video. Let us know, mm-hmm. and don't forget to like this video. Last topic here in the podcast. The last <laughs> dance is going to happen in February. It's locked in 2024, February. We're going to see Christian Ronaldo against uh, Lionel Messi, Inter Miami, Al Nasser. And I'm going to start by saying Al Nasser, I'm very confident to say, if Al Nasser doesn't have any injuries, they'll be beating mm-hmm. Inter Miami confidently, Bretton. Very confidently. Oh Al Nasser's unbeaten uh. in their last 19 games. Christian Ronaldo has scored 48 goals this calendar year. Mm-hmm. Inter Miami has no defense to match an Al Nasser team 100%, Bretton. Well... They've got Al Halal coming up in early December, so let's 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 hold let's slow the roll <laughs> on Al Nasser at, at this point. 20. And we also, we, yeah, but we also need to remember that there are three months until then. And Inter Miami, this is the off season for Major League Soccer. Inter Miami will be recruiting heavily. They will have an extra designated player spot because there are roster rules, there are financial rules in uh, the U.S., and that's not a dig. <laughs> on the Saudi Professional League. That is simply the labyrinthine, ridiculous rules of Major League Soccer to make sure we don't have a league go under financially. Um, but I think you're going to see Luis Suarez come before then, and you're going to see a couple names um, that you will uh, be salivating about um, <laughs> to go with the young bucks that they signed around Jordi Alba and Busquets and obviously Messi. But you'll also see Fagunda Farias uh, still there. You'll see uh, Tomas Aviles. Mm-hmm. You'll see Diego Gomez actually in there um, over the you know over an actual preseason. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be preseason Messi or early season Messi uh, and Inter Miami versus an Al Nasser that I guess will be winding down their season Full force. at that point. Full force Full Al Nasser. <laughs> in Riyadh. In Riyadh. In Riyadh. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> exactly. So, and and mentioning, since we're mentioning Inter Miami, Al Nasser, Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo dominated their era in Europe. And since 2008, only one player, Luka Modric, won the Ballon d'Or. Mm. 
13 Ballon d'Ors were won between them both, and 10 Champions Leagues were won. Everybody will wow. be having to watch this game in uh, Riyadh, and it's going to be very exciting to watch. And right now in the Saudi Pro League, Al Nasser has Ronaldo with 15 goals scored. They have Talishka with 8 goals scored, and Sadio Mane mm -hmm. with 6 goals scored. So they can score from many points of view. And Seku Fafana, Brozovic, look, I think the team will be... Otavio. Ota Otavio. Oh! Otavio such a good player too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Selected for Portugal yeah. and always balling out. But I would yeah. be int I'm going to be very interested to see the lineup that you will be having. Will Luis Suarez yeah. will already he will he be in January in uh Inter yeah. Miami? I I I I think so. Oui. I think so. I mean there there's there's going to have to be some financial um creativity I think to get that done uh with his contract with Gremio, but um I'm I'm pretty sure they waited what 4 years to get Messi. Um I'm pretty sure they'll get Suarez if they want him. <laughs> And two, Bretton. Have you seen yes. those goals? Ronaldo has 48 goals scored, but in those 48, oh. those goals are yeah. absolutely unreal. Ronaldo would still perform in the Premier League, in La Liga, because if you see the quality and the difficulty of some of those goals that he's scoring, it makes it worth it to go and watch live Cristiano Ronaldo play. He is the attraction. He's the charisma. And he's performing nonstop. Unreal. I mean that, that that last goal was very nice. I, I will give you that. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, but no, uh, it's just a shame that we won't see him in the Premier League or wherever. He could go like on go. loan. Um, he could go on loan, but I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's wait and see what happens well, with Cristiano well, Ronaldo because I have got a prediction that Cristiano Ronaldo will one day own a team in Europe and he'll play for that team maybe. Portuguese team. He'll, he'll faster own a team than manage a team and play in it. Okay. <laughs> Could be right. Portuguese. I don't know. Because he's got the bucks to buy a team in Italy, buy a team in England even, and buy a team, obviously, in Portugal. Sporting, yeah. that would be... Mad a, a, what is it? Na Nacional Madeira? Madeira? Oh, should, he buy, should he buy that one? They're in the second division. And if they had yeah. investment from him, Nacional Madeira Island would be an attractive place to go. Back. It's yes, it would. That would be I'd so go. good. So good. And it, he's already <laughs> have a Pristano hotel there, just like he has in the center of Lisbon, too. He's not spon sponsoring us. I mean, <laughs> I know you're playing football manager pretty big right now, Alex. <laughs> I think that's what you should do. You should give yourself a sugar daddy named Cristiano Ronaldo. He injects $100 million into Nacional's bank account, and you make it a, you know, prime place to play. No How joke. How cool would that be? No joke, Bretton. The director of football <laughs> of Stril just got snatched by yeah. Olympiacus. So uh. let the hard work one day speak for itself. I'm not going to say my age, but go. let's wait and see what's going to happen in the near future. <laughs> but people, let us know down below. What have we missed of the Inter Miami against Al Nasser? Who do you believe will win this game? And even, do you believe Ronaldo will be the all-time goal scorer of this calendar year? He's got 48 goals scored. The same as Erling mm -hmm. Haaland and Harry Kane right now. If you're listening until now, thank you for going bold with another podcast, episode 133. And as I said at the start and midway, don't forget to comment and like this podcast. Thank you so much for listening until now. And thank you for going bold another week with us.